Welcome to episode 46 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Hello. It is Monday night, March 10th, and essentially one year since we started the McSauce Podcast. A long time ago in a galaxy across the... In a studio far, far away... It's been more than one year since we had our, our Chili's meeting. We did. We met at Chili's, and we discussed what we were going to do, and if we thought we could do it, and if it would be fun, if people would like it. I think the answer to all that is a resounding yes. The Chili's meeting was basically our first episode, really. I mean, it... First unrecorded episode. Yeah, it's kind of the lost episode. Mm-hmm. The Chili's episode. And no one recorded it, so it will always be lost. I think there's one blurred except photograph for, except from for that in night. your heart. Right. It'll yeah. always live there. Right. It was it was a good time sitting around. Ian, that's kind of where you and I sort of got to know each other. For I the met first you time. before, but yeah, it was Yeah, you didn't really know me. I know you really well. You know now. me inside and out. Well, I don't know about all that, but at <laughs> least just on the surface. Your beautiful, beautiful, handsome surface. Thank so you. we may not have hit 52 episodes in the 52 weeks since we started this, but 46, I think we've come pretty close. I think we've been pretty dedicated to getting together and talking about comic books and movies and any other random things that may have come up during the course of the last year. And it's not like we record a whole bunch of episodes and then splice them up or anything like this. We make a concerted effort to come sit here face-to-face. We don't Skype. We don't mail it in. No offense to the podcasters out there that record one giant block and then break it up. But I always feel that's cheating. Who does that? I don't know. Honestly, I don't. Well, I know Kevin Smith does that, but... Does he really? Oh, yeah, the Neil Adams. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that with party and bullshit, so (laughs) it is cheating. I agree. I I look at it the same way comic book artists will repeat panels. Like, I understand in certain situations if it's the same, like, the same frame can be effective. Yeah. And why redraw it? Yeah. But part of me is always like, "Mm, come on, man. Draw Draw that shit up again. It's because like, some artists will redraw the same panel. Yeah, it's almost like uh, running a repeat or something like that. Uh, and I, I think it's good for us to, you know, sit here face to face, talk about the topics as they come up every week. Fresh topics, and we're on the throbbing pulse of nerddom. Mm. <laughs> the old throbbing pulse yeah. of nerddom. Nerddoms. Well, I would like to thank. Ian Sharpley, and Matt Cassell. Oh, what a nice oh, guy! Thanks. Oh, I wasn't expecting this. I was doing the podcast with me for the last year. And our various guests like Darcy and Dylan Mahaffey, Dominic Yossi, the random ginger appearance in the background. <laughs> Thank you, ginger. Brian. Brian, the random Brian appearance. Uh, I missed those. I loved when Brizzle would come walking in. I think we had a, a, a pretty good year. And, you know, here's to... What we should have toasted to, as some of you know, we do a shot before the podcast. We should have toasted to another successful year of McSauce Darn, we should have. We toasted to that old comic smell instead. (laughs) And how good they've been the past couple weeks. We're shitheads. 
Yeah, we should have toasted to ourselves. No offense to that old comic smell. Oh, this is the recorded toast, so here's to us. There we go. So on tonight's episode, we're going to talk some Heroes Reborn. Uh, the Godzilla and Sin City trailers came out in the last week. And we are going to do a little, what you've been reading, like Mercenary C? Is that what that's called? Yeah, why don't the you, Mercenary Why don't you blow my load early? I just want to. I just want to hype it up. Blow him early, not late. Blow his throbbing pulse of nerddom. So before we get into throbbing pulses, housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. You've been doing this a year. I know. I can't believe it. Aren't you sick of this? I like doing housekeeping. Yeah. 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 Housekeeping's fun. It's a good time. Well, Matt and I talked earlier, and he's going to start doing housekeeping. That's fine. Would you like to do? Would you like to kick the new year off and do housekeeping? <laughs> yes, I would. Uh, do we really talk about that? No, no, no. Okay, because I thought maybe I forgot. No, I was hoping to take something away from Ian that he cherished. Huh. What is that? <laughs> I thought we were on the same villain team, man. You're right. We are on the same villain team. Yeah. But villains backstab. Do you want me to do housekeeping a- this week? If you would like to, you certainly can. Uh, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Um, let's see, I, I don't have my notes. I wasn't really prepared, but I've heard 46 of these babies, so I should, <laughs> I should know how to do it. Um, They're so, pretty much me stumbling over my words okay. and right. kind of talking right. about McSauce a little bit. Welcome to housekeeping tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we, we... You know what? I'm not really good at this. <laughs> the inspiration. Oh, go ahead. The inspiration for these 46 uh, miraculous episodes that you have listened to over the last 12 months couldn't have been brought to us without the brainchild of of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast, and that is the McSauce Comic Book. Finished. <laughs> Which can be found online at mixos.com. Which is drawn by the incredibly talented Ian Sharpley. Once in a while. Once in a while. <laughs> Guest Ian'll, starring. Ian will come at you with, with a single panel uh, comic, comic strip, if that's what you want to call it. It's just a comic square, really, the way he does it. <laughs> the comic rectangle. I've redefined <laughs> webcomics, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh... And laziness. Right. He can't even be bothered to copy and paste the same background the way that the also-talented Paul McGinty does. And, um, Paul's been kind of kind of responsible for steering this ship forward getting the uh, McSauce name out there in cartoon form. So, I don't if think you guys... copying backgrounds is such an egregious error. And I do that. We just brought it up. <laughs> we just brought it up, so I'm just saying. Backgrounds it's... isn't all that bad. And I think that web comics and just comic strips in general, you can get away with a lot more leaving panels the same. That's sort of a format that's been tried and true. And... Right. As I defend my laziness. Fuck you. We shouldn't derail Matt's housekeeping. I'm sorry. This is good housekeeping, isn't it? Uh I mean, clean. So, uh, we we also want to bring attention to our our 
podcast friends. Um, that old comic smell, who we toasted to earlier, they can be found on iTunes, just like us. Give them a four-star review after you give us a five-star review. I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, are there any other uh, friends that we'd like to call attention to tonight? Actually, yeah. I do another part uh, podcast, Party and Bullshit. Actually got into the iTunes store this week. So type in Party and BS Podcast into iTunes. You can give me a four-star four review. It's fine. You can even say something mean. But go there. Check that out. So that would be another person to uh, rate and review. And um, I think I think that's it for this week. Um Hopefully I'll be a little more prepared for episode 47. For the following 51 episodes. I'm excited for uh, Matt's <laughs> housekeeping next week. Now, I know that during the housekeeping segment, I kind of was teasing you guys about drawing and stuff, and I have no room to talk whatsoever because my output is even less than yours. Of course, I don't have a webcomic. But you could contribute... To the McSauce webcomic, as you've expressed interest in before, but I don't hold a whole lot of hope that I'm going to see any actual artwork. I mean, I, I'll write something if you want to draw it, if that takes yeah, some of the pressure off. I, well, yeah. Yeah, it probably would. Because I've, I've thought about it, and I never seem to have like that that really good, funny idea. We don't either. Yeah, we just have ideas, and we're like, uh-oh, it's the 11th hour. <laughs> I know. Guess I gotta throw one panel together. You know how I am, though. Like, if it can't be, like, perfect, I'm, yeah, I'm but very that's, meticulous. And that's not that's not a bad thing, but... It is for a, a weekly webcomic. You have to kind of just go with your gut and put something out there and, and, and let the people see it and have have a reaction. If they don't like it, if they do like it, but it's... It's content that you can provide them, and only you can do it for them. So, um, Much like a goaltender that gives up a bad goal, you need to have a short memory. You need to get draw something, put it together, get it out there, and just work on making the next save or drawing the next strip. Because you can't sit there and fine-tune everything and worry too much if it's going to be funny or if it's not going to be funny or if, if you hit all your artistic cues that you wanted to. Sometimes you just have to put it together, put it out there to the world. That It's better than holding on to that. And that's what's kind of nice about this format is the constantly being pushed by a deadline to force yourself to create and draw and make shit up. And it, I think it's been really challenging. We've been doing this since 2008. There's a gigantic catalog of strips that we've done so far. And, you know, over the last three years, we've, we've been doing two strips a week. And I think that kind of schedule, like, it's, it's been really challenging. And in a way, it's, it's exciting, forcing yourself to just sit down and, and create. It makes yourself look at your everyday life in a different way where you find, I know that you've said this in the past, where you find, you know, creativity and inspiration in the mundane things that you do every day. Um, that's, that's part of the beauty of it. And, um, you know, we aren't comic book artists, but I think that this sort of kind of fills a void or maybe a passion that, um, you know, if I, if I was a little more talented, I could be a comic book artist, but I'm not. But I get to do this, 
and I and I get to talk about the comic books that I love and draw the characters that I grew up with, and I think that's that's part of the fun of it. So if you're if you're out there on the internet and you are looking at the McSauce comic strip, shoot us something on Twitter, send us something on Facebook, let us know stuff you like, stuff you don't like, because you know all the work that we put into this, we like getting any kind of feedback from it. Not to turn that whole thing into some weird plug. But so. it's okay. We're talking about comic books, and this is the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. I so did I did uh, an illustration of Psylocke recently after the X-Men episode that we did. I was inspired. You did. It wasn't funny, but I did it's it. okay. You should send it over. We can post it on there. We can post it on the Facebook page. Have the fans, just like how we did the little depressed boy kind of contest yeah, that we did. We why don't you send that over? Yeah, why don't okay, you send that over yeah, to we'll me and we'll post it on there. I actually really wanted to do a more of a graphic design kind of approach and sort of do my team that I picked, my X-Men team. Not in my traditional style, but still Vector, but... Different, a little flatter, more like uh, collage montage collage montage Whoa. That sounds like a French <sighs> fashion designer, collage montage <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing collage montage Oh, tonight. is that what you're wearing? Oh, yes. fabulous. So, why don't we start the show and talk about some news that cropped up two weeks ago now? About NBC reintroducing the Heroes TV series. Matt, you said you only watched a couple episodes of Heroes when it came on. And what were your initial thoughts? Back when I saw it initially? Which was in 2006 is when that premiered. Yeah. I used to work at the bank when that happened. Yeah, fall of 2006. Almost one decade ago. My impression of it when it first came out was I was really excited because, oh my god, there's going to be a TV show about superheroes, but I was not excited once I saw it. I think that it didn't really feel like superheroes. They were almost like afraid to embrace the superhero nature of it. No costumes, no capes. Yeah, like even the powers were kept sort of on the down low and and I lost interest fast. And um, from what I had heard from other faithful viewers of that show, it didn't really get much better. As a matter of fact, what after the second season, it just went totally in the crapper. Well, what happened was... The first season landed, and it was a giant success. It was a huge hit. Every like everyone seemed the majority of the the public loved the show. I mean, fans were just going nuts about heroes. And the first season was good. They had one plot thread. They had one story arc that united all the characters throughout the first season. There was this mystery surrounding the eclipse, and the first season was really well put together. And then, between the first and second seasons, the writer's strike happened. And that derailed everything. So they came back late in the second season for a shortened season, and they tried to cobble something together, and it was it was dog shit. It was so hard to watch. And then from there, they just never rebounded. They could never pull it back together. And I think it lasted a third and fourth season. 
I watched up to the third season. I didn't have the same... I've heard that criticism of the second season a lot. I watched it... We got the DVDs. I watched it straight through. I didn't have as much of a disconnect as a lot of people did. Maybe it was because I already knew going... I heard the, the criticism of it, that it was all over the place. I went in kind of thinking and bracing for the worst. I didn't feel that it was as bad. You could tell that there were some things that they didn't really connect here and there. I thought I had more problem with the third season when they started giving every character every power on Earth. And everybody was, you know, super powerful. And then the pizza showed up. Early as shit. back from early pizza break. A little uh, Papa John's cheeseburger pizza and garlic breadsticks. Garlic parmesan? Garlic uh, parmesan parmesan, parmesan garlic. Yeah. garlic? Yeah, there's, there's, there's both involved. Uh, Matt, why don't you give us a pizza count? Uh, one piece of pizza and three breadsticks, but two of them were like nubs. Mm. So Just think about it. We've been telling telling listeners for a year how fat we are. <laughs> Speaking of how fat we are, Ian, pizza count. Two pieces of pizza and one delicious breadstick. Same. Two and one. Delicious. Ian's been hyping up the cheeseburger pizza since we had it last week. I have. I've been its biggest supporter since last week. I went to my work and... Praised the shit out of it. I don't think anybody just stroking that pizza. I did. I don't. Was this the same group of people that you had to explain who the fuck Max Rebo was? It certainly is the same lovely bunch of people. Were, were they just as receptive to the idea of cheeseburger pizza as they were an intergalactic fictional band? They were more receptive to cheeseburger pizza than intergalactic band. Those poor people deal with my shit. My nerd. Dumb every single day, so I feel bad for them. When we left, we were talking about how Ian doesn't think Heroes got so bad in the second season, but really tanked in the third season. Yeah, it felt like they gave all the characters, you know, unlimited healing powers. Everybody could fly. Everybody was doing everything. It took away from how special each individual character was. It would be like if... All the X-Men had Wolverine's powers and Cyclops' powers all in one. It, it doesn't make sense um, to give everybody the same power because then in different situations you, you would need like somebody's unique ab- abilities to help you out or get you out of a jam. When everybody can do everything, kind of defeats the purpose. Kind of like Deadpool from the X-Men Origins Wolverine movie. Right. Um, At the end, he could do everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. 
He that could, teleport. He he had like adamantium. He had, was and, he shooting lasers out yeah, of his eyes yeah. like Cyclops? Yeah, sort of like that. But every character was Deadpool from Wolverine Origins. Yeah. So just imagine a show like that. Yikes. So. I don't know, you don't watch TV, so Ian, do you plan on watching Heroes Reborn when it comes out? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a... I'll put it on my DVR and watch it. I didn't dislike Heroes. It it ran out of steam, but I think maybe if, uh, you know, they reconvene, I don't know if they're the same writers or if there's different creators on this. It's the same creator. It's Tim Kring who created it the first time around, but he's been... Even when it got canceled, it got canceled kind of early, and right after that, he was pushing, trying to get like a just a mini series to wrap up the story, or to move it into comics, or to find some medium to finish the story. So I think for the last eight years, Tim Kring's boner for his property has never abated. Like he's been gungo for this the entire time, and now he's he's getting a chance. So why don't you give us some polynomics? Wait, about Heroes Reborn. Before you do that, so I'm clear because I don't understand. Is it going to be all the same cast members? Nothing else has been announced yet. I've heard rumors that it would be a prequel, uh, but... How are you going to wrap up the story by going to the beginning? Well, I think enough time has passed that maybe they should just restart it. Or, you know, go with the whole different, go like American Horror Story style and just go with a different cast and, and uh, you know, characters. But at the same time, I don't want to see a different cast and characters. I don't want a prequel. Yeah, but you're saying that the previous story was left unresolved. As far as I remember, yeah, but that was eight long years ago. There's a lot of time travel in Heroes. I don't know if they could pull that off by going in the past like and wrapping up. Days of Future Heroes. Yeah, I don't know if they could do that, but, I mean, since there are elements of that in the show, maybe. Well, like, the, I I love the first season. I, I thought it was great. I'd like to sit down and, and, and watch it again. And even watch the other, the other two seasons to get caught up and refreshed as to what exactly happened. But if I'm, if they're bringing it back, I want to see the old characters. I want to see Peter Petrelli and Claire Bennett and her dad and Hero. Like, I want to see the characters that I liked the first time around do it again. And if you look at the cast, most of, most of the actors should still be coming back. You know, other than Hayden Panettiere. Who and, was, like, the main character. Right, and Zach, Zachary Quinto. Other than those two. Who was no the main one, villain. Right, other than those two, no one else has really blown up. Like, I've seen Noah Bennett places, Masioka is on Hawaii Five-0. There, there are characters around, but I don't think it... I haven't seen um, the Milo Ventimiglia since Rocky Balboa. I mean, I don't think he's uh, He played the lot. great Robert Balboa. So, like, he was amazing in that role. I think a lot of... You know why? Because he has that thing with his mouth. He looks like he was punched in the mouth, yeah. Well, he's, he Just like Stallone, his mouth kind of goes down on the side. Mm-hmm. His mouth does that, too. That was good casting. It was, it was good casting. So like, I think there's enough of... Besides Siler and Claire Bennett, I think there's enough of the cast to really bring it back together. But but that's that will be the show that I wanted to see. I want to see... The characters that I liked in the first place, <clears throat> and but I don't think I don't think we're gonna get that. It, it's weird. 
uh, for them to try to wrap up, as Matt stated, for them to try to wrap up a story uh, by going backwards. I'll still watch it, though. I'll give it a view. I'll put it on the DVR. So clearly you have some expectations, excitement oh, yeah, for this. Oh, that's right. Oh, jeez, I was explaining polynomics to somebody over the weekend. It didn't Somebody work. from work? No, not somebody from work. I think it was somebody from just life. Somebody from life. Hmm. Some life. Okay. Yes. Um, polynomics. Excitement. A four. 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 Expect- Playing play it safe. Expectation. Four. Hmm. Playing it very safe. So... I forgot what I was going to say. I'm not... I think it's too late for this show to come back. It's been off for like six years. I thought you were referring to this episode of the podcast because I forgot what I was going to say. I'm like, that wasn't that <laughs> egregious. Like, I think we can recover. I, I know there's a Heroes fan base out there, but like, you know, there's the Firefly fan base out there, and there's a Fringe fan base, but... I, I don't I don't know if it's if it's smart to bring heroes back. I think NBC is trying to cash in with the big superhero boom, and they're like, "Hey, we have our own superhero property. We don't need to license out Constantine or something like that. We have our own shit. Let's do it." I almost think it's too early to bring it back. Let it go like five or six more years. Whenever so that, that it's retro. Whenever that Nashville show tanks, <laughs> and they can actually get everybody back on. So like they like they remade Hawaii Five O. Wait twenty years until Retro comes Completely back. Completely new audience, so you can tell little Paul Junior. Hey, I used to watch this show whenever I was a kid. Paul, give us some polynomics. I will, but first, I would like to say that I think it's kind of cool that Hawaii Five O recognizes the previous series. It's set in the same universe, and they've even brought back characters. From the old 70s show into the new one. I respect that. That is cool. Polynomics for Heroes. I'm, I'm going to go four for excitement and a three for expectation. Mm. I don't think this is going to do very well. But this is this is just based on the announcement. We don't know who's going to be in it, what the story's going to be, if it'll be present, the prequel... But I, I just have a bad feeling about Heroes. I don't think this is a very wise decision. Was it any kind of uh, uh, intentional thing where they named it uh, Heroes Reborn? Is that... I doubt it. I, I think that they probably knew that you know Heroes Reborn was a thing, but I don't think that... You know, the, the, they were like, we're going to pick up on all those Rob Liefeld fans. Yeah, the guys involved have, you know, there have, there have been comic book references. In Tim Sale in the show. Tim, did yeah, a Tim lot of Sale art in the, the first original art for the, se- the first season. But yeah, I don't, I don't think they were like, hey, let's base it off, let's name it after this horrible Marvel idea. <laughs> That'll get all the fanboys excited. So we were talking, uh, you know. One of the things about Heroes is that I think it's I think it's too late. Too much time's passed. Let's just wrap it up. And if and if NBC is going to kick off a superhero show, just start with something brand new. Speaking of long hiatuses, 
Sin City has had a huge hiatus between the first movie and Sin City 2, which comes out this year? Yes. In a few months. Or 22nd. How many years has it been since the first Sin City? It was 2005. Whatever that math is. Nine years. Nine years. Do you think that's a... If memory serves, it came out like April 1st, 2005. It was... And the reason why I remember it is... I think that they was, were like April Fools. It's not a good movie. Oh, did you see oh, it? Yeah, you didn't like it. It was alright. I think I went shopping for episode three toys right after I saw that movie. Of course you did. Did it get they, you all excited for episode three? No, because they, they went or? on sale like yeah. that day at midnight. So I hit Walmart because I probably went to a late show and then went straight to Walmart afterwards. And that was like my last hurrah with action figures. Like, I had kind of lost interest in between episode two mm-hmm. and three, but then when three came out, I was like, oh, I gotta get some, because I had gotten them for episode one and two, but I was pretty over it by then. But anyway, the, we're talking about Sin City. Did they have action any figures. action figures? I yeah. don't remember. If, did uh, they? Well... Probably, like, direct to... McFarlane put out a Marv... Uh, two different Mars. There was one in a in an electric chair that made sounds and I think even lit up and stuff. And they did two variants on it. Well, I don't know about the one in the electric chair, but um, they certainly did a black and white one, which was grayscale. And then they did another one where Marv is just standing there and he is all shot up and he comes with some guns and knives and stuff. And in one of his hands that you could swap out, he had the severed head of um, the dude. I, I don't remember the name in the um, in the movie. The Elijah Wood character, the, the killer. What's his name Yellow something. No, that's no. the guy with the big bulbous head, the yellow bastard. I forget what that. I was played Elijah. by uh, Eric Stahl or something like that. Nick, Nick Stahl. Eric Stoltz. Eric, Nick Stahl. Nick Stahl. Yeah. Wasn't Eric Stoltz also in Sin City? Maybe. They had a whole bunch of action figures, actually. So, Sin City 1 was directed by Robert Rodriguez. Sin City 1? Not just the original Sin City? We we can call it 1? We can do that? I was reprimanded a few episodes ago by calling something 1. I don't know who did that. I don't know who would have done that. A few episodes ago, it was Darcy. Do you guys guys think it's too late? Too much time has passed? Or... Enough time has passed to really have this one be original and stand on its own and kind of recreate that magic. My opinion is I think that enough time has passed that it won't make a difference. I think people are going to be interested. Uh, If I had answered this question five days ago, I would have said too much time has passed and people aren't interested anymore. The style is so 2005 or 2006, but based on the success that 300 Rise of an Empire had this weekend, now I'm kind of reassessing the way I feel. Which is shocking to me. It was shocking to me as well, Um, particularly because I saw it on Friday. Yeah. And um, I didn't like it. No? No, you want, you? Me to, you want me to give you a review number on a 10-point scale? Yeah, let's hit that real quick. Four. It was pretty bad. 
really terrible dialogue. Um, incredibly repetitive. It was just the same thing. Speed up, slow down. Speed up, slow down. CGI blood. CGI blood. Speed up, slow down. So you expect a severe drop-off for week two? Yes. I hope so, because frankly, this movie doesn't deserve as good as it's getting. It was interesting in the fact, the way that it worked with the first movie. And what I mean by that is the timeline kind of runs somewhat parallel to the the original movie, because this is the Athenians in this movie, whereas it was the Spartans in the first one. And in this one, it kind of starts before, then kind of catches up to 300, and then surpasses it and becomes a true sequel. But um, it just, it, it wasn't as good as the original in any way. The characters... Yeah, even the acting and the effects and everything, we had already seen it all before. The only thing, I don't remember the girl's name that's in this movie. Paul, you probably know. Is it Lena Headey? The, yep. main, the main villainess. Is it Eva Green? Eva Green, yeah. She has a um, really ridiculous sex scene in it. Yeah. Which is made to look like a fight scene, basically. But well, how do you she, bone? What? <laughs> I said, how do you bone? Uh, slow motion, then super fast, and slow motion, then super fast. As if you were fighting. And CGI blood. CGI cum. <laughs> Could you imagine that? See, well, that in Sin City, that's kind of how blood looks, because it's white a lot of the time, so it's just like... Maybe it is cum, and you don't know. But isn't... I think the graphics, the graphic nature of Sin City is so unique to itself that I don't think it's really dated. I don't think you'll go into Sin City 2 and be like, this looks like such a 2005 we, movie. We've seen slow motion action scenes um, in a lot of stuff before 300, after. The Watchmen kind of, you know, since it is Zack Snyder, it takes a big page out of that. Sin City didn't do that. Um, it did a lot of, like, trying to really replicate the look of that black and white comic book. It felt like... A comic book more so than almost any other comic book movie I've seen. Yeah, I think Sin City has such a unique style to it that you can release a movie at any point in time and it's gonna look true to itself, <clears throat> not beholden to some era. I agree. I agree with both of you guys. I think that it'll be okay. You know, the trailer looked real over the top with the acting and everything, but it fits, it works. Plus it's like a noir kind of thing and that that genre is supposed to be kind of ham-fisted in a lot of ways. So, um, I think visually it's it'll be okay. It's not like you said; it's not going to feel too dated. It'll be its own thing. When does that come out? August twenty-second. So a couple weeks after Guardians of the Galaxy, Matt's movie of the universe. <laughs> uh. Probably Sin City will be the movie that dethrones Guardians, I would imagine, from the number one spot. Hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for Sin City. I like the first one a whole lot. I did too. Now, is this one is called A Dame to Kill For, which was the second Sin City stories featuring Dwight, who... I guess... See, I, I start to get them a little bit confused chronologically 
Does A Dame to Kill For take place before The Big Fat Kill? I know it came out before The Big Fat Kill. I would be lying if I said I knew. Which one is it where he has the bandages on his face and he had plastic surgery to change the way he looked? Was that in The Big Fat Kill or was that A Dame to Kill For? I think that was in The Big Fat Kill. Isn't Wasn't the original Sin City movie sort of a... They pieced together a bunch of different stories. Three of them. Whereas this one is just one novel. Is that right? I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's accurate because it looked like Hardigan is in this movie. Is that Mickey Rourke? It's Bruce Willis. Marv is... Marv is Mickey Rourke and Marv was in A Dame to Kill For. Doesn't Bruce Willis die at the end of the first movie? Spoilers! Yes, he does die. Oops. Yes. Doesn't mean that they, they couldn't flash back and right. do things like that, but I, I don't really know. It, I, I would say that this might be a prequel. Why speculate? Um, it's This is certainly a prequel to Sin City, because Sin City, the original one, featured Marv, and Marv dies at the end of Sin City. And the he's, Yes. The and, movie? And in the movie, yeah. He does? Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> and... He's clearly in this... I remember him being in A Dame to Kill For. As a matter of fact, he was almost comic relief in A Dame to Kill For. It goes, The Hard Goodbye, A Dame to Kill For, The Big Fat Kill, then That Yellow Bastard. So I feel like they took pieces of... In that, in the fir- the original movie, they took some pieces of different books and put them together. Well, they did. Yeah. The first movie is Sin City, The Big Fat Kill, and That, and Yellow, that Yellow Bastard. I don't know what this one's going to be because you have the Helen back, right? Um, is that uh, what it was called, the Helen? Back? Yeah, that's. I guess that's the final one. Family, Family values, mm-hmm. booze, broads, and bullets. Uh, yeah, that was kind of like a. An anthology, though. That was a lot of short stories. Do you guys own all this stuff? Have you read all this stuff? I have. I own A Dame to Kill For. Which I, I fucking love once. Sin City. I, love I, don't like, I don't like the books all that much. I'm a Frank Miller, an old Frank Miller fan. The first trade is just Sin City, right? Correct. Which you read. Yeah, that's you, the only one I've read. And you kind of liked it, didn't you? I did, surprisingly. I was, I was pretty, pretty involved. Funny you don't remember how it ended. Yeah, yeah. I I remember I remember liking it, and I think the biggest thing I remember coming out of reading that book was, wow, Frank Miller did a really good job. Because <laughs> I, I I'll beat him up any chance I get. The way that uh, Marv is written in that one versus pretty much all the other ones is kind of interesting because that's the only one where you're seeing the story through Marv's point of view. And he's much more serious and kind of has everything kind of figured out. Whereas in all the other ones, you're seeing it through Dwight's point of view or whoever else's, but it's not Marv. And Marv is looked at as like kind of this big, dumb idiot guy. Lummox. Lummox. Almost like he's there to laugh at. Um, So... It looks like they're getting a lot of the cast back for the new Sin City, but the big one, Dwight, has been recast as Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Who was he in the first one? Clive Owen. That's right. Um, interesting change. Um, Since they're both shaped not even close to the same. <laughs> right, yeah. Now, like, 
we were just trying to piece together in one of the the two big Dwight stories are a dame to kill for and the big fat kill. The big fat kill is featured in the first Sin City movie. This new one is a dame to kill for. In one of those two, Dwight has plastic surgery and looks completely different. He's a bald guy in it, and I think it was the big fat kill, but I can't be sure. Actually, no, I'm starting to think it was a dame to kill for. And he's got bandages. You saw him in the preview where he has bandages all over his face. So that kind of helps make sense of why he looks completely different. It reminds me of that old Punisher comic where the Punisher got plastic surgery to be black and he teamed Whoa. up with Luke Cage. Do you remember that? I, I don't remember this one. It was called, uh, the, the story, it was a seven-parter. I think it was called Faceless, maybe? And then the last couple issues of that storyline, he has plastic surgery and he's a black dude. Wow. I don't remember that at all. Um, that sounds like something I'd be into, though. Why? Because I like plastic, plastic surgery and black Sounds dudes. like something I'd be into. Um, another change is uh, Jamie Chung plays Miho in this version, where it was Devin... Aoki. Aoki? Thank you for that. I was going to... I am down with that, with that change. Do you have a picture? Devin Aoki. Now, no. Oh, I love me some Devin Aoki, um, but I love me more Jamie Chung. Yeah, as we talked about briefly during the break, or I guess before we started the podcast, Jamie Chung, super hot, super bad actress. Definitely more of a Jamie Chung fan than Devin Aoki. Me too. But it looks like the majority of the cast will return. Rosario Dawson, Mickey Rourke, Jessica Alba not getting naked as Na- Nancy Callahan. No. How can you be a stripper and not get naked? From that what, makes me upset. From what I heard back when that movie came out, Jessica Alba offered to do the scene topless at the strip club. And Robert, and Robert Rodriguez, Rodriguez said, took that away from us. And said, you don't have to now. You don't have to do it. How dare... See... Hey, See, he directed I, From Dusk Till Dawn, and, and Selma Hayek did a strip tease, and she didn't show anything either. Another thing. This is where people are demonstrating their uh, their virtuous traits and how good they are. If I was in that position, I wouldn't even need mind control. Take top off, Selma Hayek. Yeah. Use those pants. Maybe Just, the trailer. <laughs> Jessica Alba. <laughs> mind control, more like um, directorial... Set control. So are we... How how excited are we about Sin City? I probably won't see it in the theater unless you guys are like, yeah, let's go, let's do it. Is that how we talk? Is that how we get you to go? I'm more persuasive than that. I didn't see the first Sin City in the theater. I didn't see it until well after it was out on DVD. I saw it in the theater and I remember... Sitting there for the first half an hour, not really knowing how to feel about it. And then I was like, fuck it. This is totally crazy. I'm just going to go along for the ride. Join the shit out of it. I'll go see it in the theater. I'm excited. Polynomics numbers. Uh, excitement. Uh, I'd say right now a five and building. Possibly, possibly could be a six by the time I see it. And expectation of six. So... By the time the second trailer comes out, 
It could have that two-point trailer swing. Yeah, it didn't get the swing on this one. I liked the trailer, but it didn't really push me over the edge. It was like, this is what I was expecting. I'm satisfied. This was a really short trailer. It was only a minute and a half, not even. So, Does does anyone else have a problem with seeing essentially half of Amazing Spider-Man 2 already. Like, I've stopped watching featurettes and trailers for it because they just keep releasing more and more shit. And I yeah. don't want to see any more. I've yeah. seen enough. I feel like I've ruined sections of that movie already by us watching as much and reading about all everything that comes out mm-hmm. every week. Matt, I, Sin City excitement? Expectation? Um... I think before we started this podcast, I would have been at a five. But just just since we've talked about it and rewatched the trailer, I'm going to say I'm a six for excitement. Oh, six, 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 and and like sharply building the, the one building. point podcast building. talk swing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think building is you know you put that in there gives a potential for even more excitement, a more robust five. Than just a five. I think that this movie is going to do five plus. nothing beyond what the the first one did, visually, storytelling. It's going to be equally as faithful to the source material as the first movie was. And you pretty much know what you're going to get. So with that in mind, I'm going to give it a nice seven for expectations. Whoa. Mm. Pretty high. It's pretty solid. I think it's going to be pretty good. Yeah, I like it. I like that a lot. Those kind of. Uh, I was thinking su- about something. suggestive. Oh, while we're talking about ratings, one of our great fans, Adrian Caldwell, watched Thor: The Dark World this weekend. Gave it a solid eight out of ten. Not the crazy nine, <laughs> but an eight out of ten is pretty high. I would say. It was good. So thank you. Thank you, Adrian, for... I enjoyed it. I feel like the way we've discussed that movie here, I need to re-see it because I kind of hate it the way (laughs) I think I hate that movie now, too, because it's made me a lunatic. At some point, we're going to sit down and... Or maybe maybe I'll sit down. And, uh... Actually... We'll put uh, put numbers to these movies and actually rate these, so we catalog can have, them. So. so we can actually have a catalog of where these are falling, and in order with each other. Sounds I think it's good. A good idea. Sounds like a nice project for you. A nice weekend project. Mm-hmm. I. That's. Um, you okay there, Sharply? Oh, double cheeseburger and pizza combined. Delicious. You know what else may be delicious that we saw a trailer for? Godzilla. Godzilla! Matt, I, f- I feel like you are the biggest Godzilla supporter of the McSauce podcast. I thought you were going to say on Earth. Do you think <laughs> Do you think this full trailer uh, got, got it the two-point swing? In one way or another, because we didn't really see too much with the first trailer. Did we give Polynomics on the first trailer? Um, I don't know. I don't feel like we did. I don't know. Are you excited about Godzilla? Yeah. More excited after this trailer? Um, yeah. There, There isn't a movie this year that I'm more excited about than Godzilla. Wow. What happened to... 
Are you the greatest being movie serious? of all time, Guardians of the yeah, Galaxy? I've seen the trailers. The trailers swing the numbers. You and know Amazing Spider-Man Two. Well, we know he hates. Fa- he hates that kind of Spider-Man. Yeah. What about Cap? I think Cap's going to be great. But, but Godzilla. The, yeah, because Godzilla is a tease. It's a spectacle and it's a tease. So, like, it. it let me give you polynomics on it right now. This is why Matt's on the podcast to say silly things. Ian may say Thor gets a ten out of ten, but uh, Matt says rewind. But nine, Matt says nine, things like, nine. "I'm most excited about Godzilla this year." How, how can you not be? Didn't you see the trailer? Like the monster looks incredible. You don't see him. Not X Men. Yes, you do. Bits and pieces, you don't really see well, Godzilla. I like that, the, you know, they tease the monster, but at the same time, they do show it. Uh, and, frankly, we haven't had a an American uh, high-quality monster, like, giant monster movie, unless you count Pacific Rim. And Pacific Rim isn't really the same thing. It kind of is, but it's done in a much more, like, cartoony way. Um, then you got the 1998 Godzilla, which in Japan they just call it Zilla because it was so, they take the god out of it because it was such a disappointment. And I think it's getting worse every year. Like, were we in, in retrospect? We probably were, but I feel like I was at Toys R Us when that first Godzilla came out because I feel like there was Godzilla shit everywhere. We were at Toys R Us at the same time when Godzilla hit the theaters. And you are right. Godzilla toys, much like Battlefield Earth or whatever that movie was, they were everywhere, and we couldn't get rid of those Godzilla toys. You had yeah. the full-size Godzilla, yeah. Yeah. Ever, like up in the racking, like all over the place, and nobody would buy any of that shit because it <clears throat> sucked. <clears throat> You're not excited for the Hobbit movie that's coming out later on. Uh, he's excited I mean, for them, but he's not as, as excited, excited for them as he is for Godzilla. Godzilla in the... Ex- You're a ridiculous person. <laughs> <laughs> for me, my excitement for Godzilla is a nine. Okay. My expectations are not quite as high because it, it's... What I'm excited about is that first time sitting there, the experience of on the big screen seeing... Just shit that's larger than life going down. Um, like, I'm excited about that big because reveal. Days of Future Past is that little indie picture. That that big reveal of finally seeing Godzilla for the first time. I love how he just moved. <laughs> and I think once that happens, once that experience takes place, then, you know, I'll be brought back down to Earth a little bit. But I am going to... I am going to say, I think I'm going to give it an 8 for expectations. A 9 Your excitement's clearly an 11. Why why is it an 11? Well, it's the movie you're most excited about seeing this year. Sweeping Captain America, Spider-Man 2, Days of Future Past, Guardians of the Galaxy, Sin City, uh, The The Hobbit. Hobbit. All those movies aside... Godzilla. All those movies getting it done for you. All those movies combined couldn't match Godzilla. Godzilla's the one making your compass point north, sir. That's not entirely true. (laughs) 
Paul, why don't you come at me with some polynomics? Godzilla, go. Jira. Hmm. <sighs> Godzilla. The first trailer didn't do anything for me. No didn't swing. Didn't really show a whole lot. No swing. Um, second one, a little more background. You get a little little view of the characters. Um, I'm going to go... I will go a four for excitement and a six for expectation. You're insane! I don't fucking care about Godzilla. I don't. It's I'm not excited. But I do think once I see it, I'm gonna I do expect to be like, wow, that was that was pretty good. I expect it to rope me in once I see it. But I'm not excited. The mystery of like how it's really gonna like those sequences where you finally like because all they're showing are little teases. When you finally get to get in the theater and immerse yourself in this huge decimation of the city. I think that that's, like, really exciting. And, um... Terrorism, folks. You heard it here. Matt thinks terrorism is exciting. Hey, if, if the terrorists can send a giant <laughs> lizard, then I'd be kind of Team excited. terrorism! Ian... I am excited about this, although my excitement is clearly dwarfed by <laughs> your insanity. Uh, so I will give it an excitement of six. I'm a Godzilla. I thought until right now, I thought I was a Godzilla fan. You are uh, an imposter. I'm wrong. So I'll put my excitement at a six, my expectation at a seven. I think it'll meet my expectations. And I. I, th- I might have to actually go to the theater and watch you lose your mind watching this movie. I so. think it's definitely a theater movie. I think waiting for it to come out on DVD is a mistake. Yeah. I agree. Oh, I, a four? Yeah. A four? It's just, it's just not my thing. I see that. Now, I think what what is really kind of cool about that trailer, that last one especially, I, I feel like some of the... The action that you're seeing in it, you really haven't seen before in in a movie, in an action movie. Like the way that the airplanes are falling out of the sky makes me think, okay, that's I don't think that's Godzilla that's doing that. I think it's one of those the flying one. What is it called? Um, Mothra. Mothra. Well, there's Mothra, and then there's the pterodactyl one. Um, the one that was in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. N- no. Yeah. Well, yeah. What was it called? What's its name? I'm not sure. I think it begins with a Z. Anyway, um, like, I mean, as good as all these superhero movies are looking, I feel like none of them look like shit I haven't seen before. Except for Guardians. Guardians, I would say, eh, okay, that looks pretty unique. Spider-Man, sequel. Cap, sequel. Um, Sin City, sequel. Yeah, this is, you know... A sequel. You know, Godzilla. Past. This is a sequel to a, a movie of sorts. I mean, a yeah, well, like imagining. I'm, I'm scrolling it, through yeah, Godzilla. It's, it's not a sequel. It's a reboot. Reboot. It sure. is a reboot, but beyond that, I, like I was trying to make my point earlier, since 1998, we haven't had a big budget monster movie, unless you count Cloverfield, but that was done as a, as a found footage style, and that's not really... Apples to apples. Um, so this is really the first American version that we've ever had with the super high 
production values where the effects are basically becoming seamless for this kind of stuff. So it's going to feel very real, I think. It's loaded with... Well, I'm, I was about to say it's loaded with good actors. I guess the Olsen sister... Is good, right? She's the good Olsen sister. The good Olsen sister. Brian Cranston's in this Brian joint. Brian Cranston. Finished up Breaking Bad this weekend. Holy crap. Really? Is really? that real? It was good. Holy crap? It was holy crap to you because you don't like that kind of stuff. No, like your reaction just now. Like when you watched the finale, were you like, oh my god. No. Breaking I, Bad. It was. I need to touch my penis. It was good. It was a good finale. Yeah? I was satisfied with it. Brian Cranston, yeah. Brian Cranston, hell of an actor. I'm excited that he's going to be the lead in this Godzilla. Mm, not movie. true. No. Um, Kickass is going to be the lead. What's oh, his name? Aaron, Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson. Johnson. Why does he need? Why do they all need? Three Didn't names? he marry some lady? And because he... Aaron Johnson is too boring a name. Mm. He's livened up. Well, he has bulked up quite a bit. To be whatever the hell he is in the military in this movie. He's jumping out of airplanes with uh, road flares on his heels. I didn't even know he was in Godzilla. He's the main character. So, it looks like a good cast. It looks like it's going to focus pretty strongly on the characters. They're starting to reveal kind of what the movie's about. How did Godzilla even come to be? Those nuclear tests in the Pacific in the 50s or whatever it was, the 60s, I don't know. Or actually the Japanese or somebody trying to kill Godzilla for all these years until he finally makes his way. I thought that was a neat twist. From what I took out of that trailer was that it's almost like they're acknowledging the previous Godzilla by saying, well, this happened in Japan and they tried to kill it with nuclear bombs, but... Now it's this new thing. And I thought that was pretty neat. You think they're acknowledging the Zilla movie as... No, not the not the Zilla movie. Like Probably the, the, all the original of the Godzilla everyone. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I didn't... I thought that this was a standalone, its own thing. I, th- I don't think it's a direct acknowledgement sequel, but I think it's kind of the tip of the hat to... The legend to of the Godzilla. Yeah. I saw a... A size comparison chart for all the Godzillas over the years. And this one is by far the biggest one that there's ever been. There's been some big ones. In Japan, they did one not that long ago, within the last eight years, maybe. And that was the biggest one up until now. Um, They love giant shit over there. This chart view? Is this it? That is... (laughs) That isn't the exact chart, but it's, yeah, it's similar. Look at this baby one that's only 50 meters Where's from Zilla? 50. Where's Zilla? He stinks. Uh, He's not even on there, is he? Zilla's the big one, isn't it? No, this Zilla, is the... Zilla was the 1998 yeah. Roland Emmerich. This big yeah, brown that? one is the one from this year. Oh, well, isn't the, the lighter brown one? This is great. Great radio. <laughs> Type in Godzilla size chart. If you're not at work, because who knows if you misspell some size chart. Uh, it could be bad. No, I don't know why there's a light brown one in here. It I was really also say. interested in comparing the new Godzilla to the size of Maybe the Cloverfield monster. Did you guys see the Cloverfield movie? Yes. Uh, bits and pieces. Paul, what did you think of it? 
I liked it. It's pretty solid. Yeah, that was kind of my take as well. Going into it, though, my excitement was through the roof. Didn't quite live up to that. And that's why I'm going in with kind of uh, somewhat reversed polynomics numbers, because usually it's the other way around. But for this one, I'm trying to be realistic. It's probably a good idea. Get your excitement too high, you're going to get burned. Ian, do you want to participate in the podcast? I am. I'm just looking at the size chart that you guys were referencing. Didn't you say to just do it at work? This is work sometimes. So, uh, Godzilla. So wait, on that size chart, it looks like the Cloverfield monster is bigger than Godzilla, but we don't know which version of Godzilla that is. Yes. And when I look at the Cloverfield monster, you know, it's kind of cool because it looks totally different than Godzilla, but... It kind of looks stupid. <laughs> like, yeah, with those it, arms and everything. And silly face. Yeah. Not that it's any less wacky than the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. But going or in... Or the Wicked Witch of the West. That's going like into that. Cloverfield, that one was shrouded in secrecy. J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams' staple, if I ever saw one. And... Nobody knew what it was going to look like, and you would see concept illustrations online, what they expected the Cloverfield monster to look like. I remember one was like almost this dinosaur-looking thing, like a like a brontosaurus, like on all fours with a long tail, mm-hmm. and it ended up looking nothing like that. Much more alien than, than lizard or dinosaur. Yeah, it does have a pretty weird shape to it that Although, could go any way. That yeah, movie Cloverfield... It's more Lovecrafty than anything else. There was a lot of, like, kind of viral kind of marketing for Cloverfield, whereas uh, at the very end of the movie, there was a sequence where you saw the last bit of footage, and then it, like, goes to the shit that was taped over at the very end, and, and you see the main characters, and they're on this ferry or something, or on a Ferris wheel... And they're talking about, oh, it was a good day. And behind the character talking, you see this thing fall out of the sky into the ocean. And everybody says, oh, that was, that was the Cloverfield monster falling out of space into the, into the ocean. I don't think that's really ever been clarified. But a lot of viral marketing for that one. What do you guys think People of viral weren't even, marketing? Huh? I think it's effective. Uh, Blair Witch kind of had some viral marketing. and Before there like really a, was viral marketing. Yeah, I mean, you can't do that kind of stuff now. Even even whenever Cloverfield came out, I think that the internet wasn't quite what it is now, where there are almost no secrets. It's hard, It's really hard to hold on to, um, you know, things. Blair Witch to Except really... Except going to be in the new Star Wars. We don't know fucking shit on that. <laughs> That's true. We don't know what, what they're doing there. Blair Witch, like, they... You didn't know if it was real or if it's because found footage was a new thing at that point. Right. So I think that was the most effective viral marketing campaign. Blair Witch was really boring. Sorry you didn't like it, sir. Did you see it when it came out? No. I think if you had seen it when it came out, you would feel, you would have felt differently at the time. Maybe you would have developed the feelings for it that you have now, but at the time for a for an impressionable late teenager, you might have been in your mid twenties, early twenties at least. I'd say. Right. No, you were probably what about nineteen. When did it come out? Ninety nine. Ninety seven. Ninety eight. Yeah, I was twenty. I think like there were parts of it that were 
pretty cool. Parts like the end was super creepy. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like. I like creepy. Like she goes into the room and dude's standing with her back turned. Super fucked up. That was really good. But like everything leading up until then, like I think even had I not known what the big twist was or anything, <clears throat> or like going into it knowing that it wasn't real. Yeah. Because there were a shit ton of people who were like, "Oh my god, this is real," and I. Yeah. I, I I never I, I never got that even before I saw that like I never thought oh someone really found these kids footage and like they saw this happen but it's like faces of, of death on the big screen none of the characters were likable to me like I, I but by the time you get halfway through the movie and you get to the point where the one guy's like I threw the map away I threw it in the creek I'm like you kill idiots. all of these people <laughs> immediately. But yeah, you know, some cool, creepy stuff in there, but ultimately... The uh, the most famous scene, the girl talking to the camera in the tent in the middle of the night with her booger bubbles dripping all over the place. Good acting, though, by a bunch of unknowns who... Well, Went on to be nothing. unknown. That's because it was real. They were killed. They died. Yeah, that's right. That was the last anybody ever heard from those people. That's true. I did see Blair Witch 2. Ooh, garbage. And was it better than the first one? Um, no, it was just as bad, but for different reasons, mm. like production quality. It wasn't found footage. Was no, it, it was, no, it was uh, like, a traditional movie. Yeah. And they did they did the found footage movie, The Last Exorcism, and then they made a sequel to it. I don't was, um, was Emily Rose. Emily Rose wasn't found footage. That was straight up movie, right? But. The um, Last Exorcism 2 was regular movie, not found footage, I believe. Hmm. Kind of weird that they... It feels like whenever they do that, it's like... Yeah. Like, direct-to-DVD quality. Yeah. You know, that's a red box or thing, if I ever saw it. Fat Val Kilmer is probably going to be in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do we segue from the Godzilla trailer to our next topic? We can just go right into it, because I don't even know what our next topic is. Paul, what's our next topic? Matt, I was going to ask you the same question. Oh, Matt, you wanted to talk about the Marvel renumbering, and you said that you stabbed a nerd in his neck this weekend. (laughs) Is this true? Did the nerd say something like, I'm most excited about Godzilla? He said, Godzilla is a piece of dog shit. (laughs) He had to die. You don't talk about Godzilla like that. Watch, I'm going to see this movie, and it's going to suck. And I'll come in. I'll be so distraught the whole podcast. For saying such crazy shit, I want to... I want it so that you're not allowed to see anything else this year. Why? For making such an insane statement. Like, you're most excited about Godzilla. You're not allowed to see... Any of the other How movies. How is that, that insane? Out. Look, okay. I think it's going to be the biggest movie of the year. Godzilla. Or of the summer. Of the summer. What else comes out in the summer? Cat Spidey. And what comes out in the spring? Well, Godzilla comes out a few weeks before it, or after it. Are we counting... Godzilla comes out in April? Are we counting May early May as not a summer blockbuster? May. Oh, wait, maybe it's mid-May. It's mm-hmm. mid-May. May May through September. It's after Spider Man. Okay, it'll dethrone so Spider Man. Spider Man, X Men, 
No way is it going to dethrone Spider-Man. How much you want to bet? I don't make I don't make foolish bets, but I don't think it's going to dethrone Spider-Man. Spider-Man's fucking Spider-Man. There's Spider-Man no- comes out a few weeks before it. It'll come out. There's no Godzilla. way Godzilla's dethroning Spider-Man. Do you want to bet? I'll bet you. Mm. I'll bet you a hundred bucks. Uh, hold on. Let's, let's <laughs> stay here. Let's not get all crazy. What else? What else comes May out? Sa- okay, let's let we'll do it. May second, Amazing Spider-Man. Um, after that, God Godzilla, May sixteenth, May twenty. Powerpuff Girls movie. What is that? The Legend of Oz. Oh. After that. Uh, May 23rd is X-Men. Godzilla will not hold the number one spot ever this year. It just won't. I will bet you $100 you're wrong. Did you hear the handshake? I watched it. Let's shake louder. Here. (laughs) We're bad at shaking hands. Amazing Spider-Man 2 comes out May 2nd. Godzilla comes out May 14th. And then... May sixteenth. May sixteenth, and then Days of Future Past comes out May twenty third. Yeah. So there, honestly, isn't very much wiggle room for Godzilla to make its push. No, because I think a week later, Amazing Spider-Man is still going to be going strong, and then by the time Godzilla gets into its second week, Days of Future Past is going to kill it. Days of Future Past will dethrone Amazing Spider-Man. Well. Amazing Spider-Man will be on its way out of theaters by then, because the way movies are anymore, these movies get, what, a month and a half if it's a really good one in the theater before it's out? And by then it will be almost a month. I don't know. Aren't summer blockbusters different, though? Like, I could see Spider-Man... There's so many, though. There's just so many new movies all the time. I could see Spider-Man go in a month or two, you know, like, uh, an extended period. Same as X-Men. Spider-Man 2 might make more money than Godzilla. Now that I see that the way Godzilla... You want to take it back? You want to take it back? Hell no, because it's totally going to dethrone Spider-Man. It might not make as much because of the way it's positioned... In between those two superhero movies, it's too movies. close. From in my opinion, it it's got too close. it's got two weeks, and it'll be the the big freshness. The hype train will be going on it because everybody will be talking about like, oh, what does he look like? You barely see him in the trailers. I thought they were going to say everybody's going to say Macasal said this is going to be the best thing ever. I'm gonna I'm gonna take. I'm going to start uh, gauging some temperature on Godzilla, because I think you're overestimating the hype train for Godzilla. I think if, God, if, if I think where Godzilla is going to find its success is after it's released for a little bit. In Japan. Even here. Like, I don't think Godzilla is going to catch on until... I think it will have a slow build to theater success. I don't no. think it's going to be... Uh, weekend one. Oh my god, this is this is the greatest movie. That might Do be we the think craziest that? thing I ever heard you say. You just said the craziest thing we've ever heard. Well, you just ago. surpassed it because you're talking about a brand. I, I, it. For the listeners at home, I agree with Paul. I think that Matt is. I don't know what's in that Coca Cola over there. I think I think Godzilla has the chance to be a sleeper hit and be really good. A but sleeper I think it's hit. Gonna, I think it's gonna build. Yeah, I don't think there's a. There's this a, is a brand that everybody knows. Your grandmother knows who the fucking Godzilla. There's is. There's more hype on the Transformer. Your grandmother knows who Spider Man is. There's more hype on the Transformer movie than there is on Godzilla. I could see Transformers making more money than Godzilla. 
I could see that too. After I win a hundred dollars from you, I'll make that bet too. <laughs> <laughs> Double or nothing. <laughs> that's you know that's what's gonna happen. We'll just keep Double or nothing. Next us movie gambling summer concert tour. So, so no, one of you, one of you are paying. One of no double or nothing. One of you are going to get fucked for making this. Bet. <laughs> now, so we are clear on what the bet is. I am not saying I. I do believe that it'll be the biggest money maker. But the bet is this is the movie that will the Godzilla will at some point this summer hold the number one spot. That is the bet, and Godzilla's. Only shot in hell is its opening weekend because it is directly followed by X-Men. Yeah, see, I thought the bet was Godzilla would rate higher than Spider-Man on its opening weekend. No. No, but I think for it to do that, it'll have to knock Spider-Man out of the number one spot. So, essentially, yes, that is yeah, the bet. I, I think it, it only has that opening weekend to do it, because Days of Future... And if, if, you would put, if, if you would give it... If you would put You're Days of Future... You're telling me Godzilla's going to open at number two? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I think that could happen. I think, I think it could make too. a shitload of money and still open at number two. I think... I'm not I saying it's a bad movie. You're, you're I'm just saying, saying that <laughs> Spider-Man is just going to make more... Is going to have more staying power. It's going to resonate with audiences. People are going to go back. You're going to be part of the reason why Spider-Man stays on top because you're going to go see it three fucking times. I don't know about that. I only saw the first one once. You're going to like this one much more. I hope so. I expect that I will. I think I'll like Godzilla better, though. I think... I think you will, too. I think for the purposes of this argument, you're going to find a way to like Godzilla better. You really believe? I think he'll honestly like Godzilla better, but still. You're telling me that you think that Spider-Man is going to hold the number one spot for four weeks until X-Men comes out. Yeah. That doesn't happen. I think it will. That does not happen in, in movies these days. Okay. Especially with other big time shit coming out that is going to get so much hype. Think about this. But not in between Spider-Man the most and Godzilla coming out. What and that's what we're really talking about, is those weeks leading into that. I understand. What was the biggest, most hyped movie of all time? The Phantom Menace. Right. Guess how long that thing was number one. I have no idea, but you're going to tell us. I am. Two weeks. Guess what dethroned it? Don't know. Austin Powers 2. Great movie. Duh. What I'm saying is... Is as big and hyped as these movies can be, they just people's attention spans aren't that long. They will have fucking seen Spider Man by the time Godzilla comes out. It never picks up though. The oh. mic never picks up that, that nod your head squeaking. Hmm. Well, we shall see. I can't wait until fucking May. We shall see. Speculation <sighs> will be over on May. So May 16th, that, that weekend, we'll, we'll know. We'll know. We'll be watching the box office returns. I'll have my Fandango <laughs> all fired up. I can't wait. And, like, I'm going to see fucking Godzilla, like, a hundred times that weekend. Me too. I know you will. You just <laughs> it, depends. it depends on what Spider-Man's numbers are. 
Matt's going to actively root against the Amazing Spider-Man two, his favorite superhero, just in the third week. Just in the third third week. week. It's got what? It's got two two weekends, and then the third week, Godzilla. Mm -hmm. Actually, the fact that there there isn't much stuff in between probably helps Godzilla's cause. Um, The Protector two, don't know what that is. Walk of Shame. Bell. Neighbors, which looks pretty good. Zach Efron, Seth Rogen. Uh, that looks hilarious. Yeah, that might have something going. When's that come out? May 9th. So, right before. So, <laughs> neighbors may sink Spider Man. <laughs> that would suck. And then, what if Neighbors takes down Spider Man, but then Godzilla tanks and comes in at fourth? I love that. That's what I'm rooting for. I'll be out 100 bucks. And then X-Men's Maleficent. Anybody excited for that movie? Nah. Angelina Jolie. No, I think if it was a different actress, I'd be a little more excited about it. You're a little over Angelina Jolie? I, I've never found anything attractive about Angelina Jolie. Really? Never? Personality, acting, looks. Don't give me that look. Granted, I wouldn't throw her out of bed for free crackers. But who's giving out these free crackers and bags? I thought it was for eating crackers. I've never had the I've never had the boner for her that the country has had for quite a long time. When you said country, I just thought you were gonna stop with the first part of that (laughs) word and I was like, Who the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, I'm IMDB has the worst pictures of her on I think they're gonna I can't make my point with these pictures. I feel like they're gonna dumb down the character of Maleficent because even though it, it's a Disney movie, Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty is like no holds barred badass. Like she doesn't fuck around. And I think since she's the main character in this movie, they're gonna have to soften her up and give her more of a great make her more of a gray area character and make her more sympathetic. Yeah. And I think it's gonna hurt the just evil brutality that she had in the Disney movie. It does say that this is about the events that harden the villainous Maleficent's heart. So, I guess it's a little prequel-ish. We don't need to know why she's pissed in the beginning of Sleeping Beauty. She's just, she's just an evil she's bad just bitch. An evil queen. End of story. We don't need to know Boba Fett and Han Solo's past. They just got something going down. That's it. So, no, I'm not excited about Maleficent. Me either. I'm not willing to say it's going to be the greatest movie of 2014. There can only be one. What is going to be the greatest movie of 2014? <sighs> Biggest moneymaker. The Lego movie. <laughs> Probably, right? Uh, man. Um, uh, I gotta... Ugh, it's tough. I don't know. I'm just gonna go oh, right over there. Just gonna keep making noises. It's uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't think. It's like you're constipated mm. instead of thinking. I want to say I want to say shit out Days of Future Past, but Hobbit's gonna get that big finale Christmas money. Yes, it is. That's a late late year push. Hunger Games is in there too. I don't know if it's is it at, yeah. this year? Yes. Oh, Hunger Games, though. Over I mean, I, I I think it's in there. I think that's in it's in the conversation. I think it goes Spider-Man's in there, X-Men, Hobbit, 
Hunger Games are the four that are competing for that. And Godzilla, number five, to round it all out. (laughs) So, you said that Guardians of the Galaxy was going to be the greatest movie of all time. And then you saw the trailer. And now now you've pulled back that statement a little bit. I said I think it, it could be the best superhero movie this summer. But um, paling next to Godzilla. I still think... Well, man, it's either that or Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier looks really good. It looks pretty good. It like I feel more confident in the Winter Soldier being better than I do Guardians. I'm basing Guardians more on like a educated guess because of how unique it's going to be. Uh, that it's you know trying to do some new things. So, I don't know. I don't know if I still think it's going to be the, the biggest one or the best one. Did I say the biggest or the best? What did I say? I don't even know. Oh, no. It's all just like, wow, I'm crazy <laughs> to me anymore. <laughs> I, I think Winter Soldier has the potential to really give us the emotional punch that most of the Marvel movies haven't given us. I hope so. Man, there's a lot of great movies coming out this year. I'm really excited about talking about all these different films. Draft Day, a movie about that, about draft. Are you serious? No, I'm not. But I'll tell you what. No, I mean, are you serious? That's a real thing. That's a real thing. That's a real... Kevin Costner, Jennifer Garner. It's a movie about what the Cleveland Browns do with their first round pick. Are you serious? Oh, I'm dead serious. I didn't make that all up. That's it's about the Cleveland Browns. It is about the Cleveland Browns. How does this shit get made? Because people I don't, like this go to see it. I will not. Tom Welling in this piece, yo. Come oh. on now. You're going to see it. God damn it. Terry Crews? I'm not going. How the mighty have fallen. David Ramsey? This movie. Oh, Dennis David, Leary? David Ramsey. This movie's got everybody. It's fucking P. Diddy? <laughs> okay, I take it all back. I'm going to see Draft Day. I'll go see draft day with you. <laughs> Does that count as sports talk? It's technically movie talk. It was movie talk. It was movie talk. Uh, yeah, picking the biggest money maker this year. Uh, it's, I, the safe bet is probably Hunger Games or The Hobbit. Did anybody see the trailer for this Tom Cruise movie, Edge of Tomorrow? It's like a sci-fi army yeah. flick. Yeah, looks no. kind of interesting. Did you not see Oblivion? I haven't. No. No. Oblivion is really good. Yeah? It's a really cool movie. I kind of yeah. wanted to see it. Tom Cruise's nutty Scientology craziness has just put a black mark on anything he does. Yeah. But Oblivion was really fucking cool. And everyone's like, oh, no one makes original movies anymore. Everyone, everything's, you know, an adaptation or a sequel or a remake. But Oblivion was an original movie, really well done. You know, it's go go check it out. I it's rented good, Pacific good Rim movie. instead of renting Oblivion, so pseudo Voltron. Feel bad. I, I, I guess I'll go back and watch it. Did you not this like looks Pacific good. Rim? Oh, I was a little let down by it. I I I really didn't like it all that much. I liked it. Yeah. I'd like I'd like to see it. I haven't seen Pacific Rim yet. I give it a solid seven. Seven's a pretty good number, I think. I think it's a good number. I mean, you're, you're not in the, into that stratosphere of eight yet, but... I think crossing the, the seven threshold and into eight is a big deal. 
When you're talking eight, you're talking like just two away from ten. And ten's really big. Like there's only a, a couple movies reserved for a ten. Jaws. Jaws is a fucking ten. Is it? Is it yeah, that good? Jaws is a ten. I don't think it would hold but, up. But this that's why I haven't watched it. Wouldn't fucking know. Yeah, that's true. I wouldn't know because I have never seen it, and I don't think I ever will see it. Empire Strikes Back is a ten. ten. The original New Hope, Star ten? Wars is a ten. Yeah. Yeah. I almost want to give Jedi a ten as well. I know it's not quite as good, but it's really. You can just close. slide right in at nine with Thor: The Dark World. <laughs> <laughs> I would be willing to give Jedi a nine. Be- only, only because I don't want to be super fanboy and hook my sentimentality for it up to that wagon. I want to try to be objective. objective. But if I'm just like if I'm just going, the whole, they all get tens, easy. But I feel like if if you're gonna rate the three of those, Jedi's probably. The weaker of the three. Even though it's my second favorite of those three. It is the weaker of the three, but man, like, it kind of had a big responsibility to, to end that whole thing, and it did it in pretty remarkable fashion. It, it kind of did it perfectly. What did you give Back to the Future a ten? Nine. Nine. Okay. Austin Powers 2 <laughs> Tens <laughs> Which one's 2? Two? 2 is the one with Fat Bastard Yes The spot it, uh, Is yeah, that spot exactly. Austin I would Powers give, 2 is probably would, the best Out of those 3 I movies I would give them both 7s The first one and the second one I never saw Goldman The third one was kind of terrible yeah, the third one was, was stretching at that point. You know what? I would... See, I don't want to hype Oblivion up and then have you guys go see it and then think it's dog shit, but I'm willing to give Oblivion an 8. I really enjoyed that movie. The 8 threshold. It's a big I thought one. It was, threshold. I thought it was really I like cool. that we discovered the 8 threshold. But, I'll, but I was also going in with low expectations. That can affect it. Like a movie like that, sometimes needs that needs that repeat viewing to like be like, is that really as good as I thought it was? Do we give extra credit to movies that have high expectations and meet them? Because I think that's more kind of like when a coach wins coach of the year when they do more with a bad team. Going sports, it's a appropriate analogy. You're saying that you expect it. You're 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 likening the bad team coach to a good movie going in. It's almost like no, a, if, a coach that has the best team wins coach of the year. Right. If you have, if your team is stacked with good players, like, and you win the president's you win trophy, the president's the, trophy yeah. then it's like, well, of course he won. Look at all those good players that he has. Yeah. But if you have a bunch of scrubs. And you get into the playoffs, and you're scrappy all season. That the coach of the year usually goes to that guy. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like that's the poor quality of club dread by the Supers Troopers guys helped me enjoy Beer Fest because I went in with such low expectations because club dread was so bad. 
What about Super Troopers? That was a pile of dog shit. I hate Super Troopers. Do you? Fucking do I'm it. not on its nuts. It. I'm not on its nuts like yeah. most people are. Yeah, I hate it. How about really? you, Matt? Do you, yeah, I fucking hate it. I only saw the first five minutes and yeah. uh, didn't do anything for me. I give it. I give it a six. But I would give. I'm. I'm willing to push. Put beer fest. Into the eight threshold. Ooh, I fucking look love, at who's crazy now. Love beer fest. That movie is Dude, fucking good. So you're saying that's just a notch below Thor: The Dark World? <laughs> I know it's crazy. There must be fumes in here today because we're <laughs> just talking nonsense gibberish. Well, that's my my personal rating system. I can give. Sure. The movies, whatever. Oh, well, it's okay if Paul does it, sure. but if Matt does it, he's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I said he was fucking crazy too. Matt's allowed to think Godzilla is going to be the biggest movie of 2014. But just last week it was Guardians. <laughs> <laughs> As Matt shrugs his shoulders. As he flippantly <laughs> holds up an tw- old ass Twizzler at us. <laughs> I think we had that bag of Twizzlers in episode two. They taste like granite. They're so hard. True. Bold statements coming out of the McSauce podcast tonight. So you you said that Beer Fest is an eight. What, what's your favorite comedy ever? Mallrats. Is that a, a nine, a ten, an eleven? Uh, I would give I would give Mallrats a nine. I absolutely love that movie. Is a lot of it uh, built-in nostalgia for you? Or do you believe it really is a nine on its own? Um, it, it, some nostalgia probably weighs in. Probably, you know, around the time time that I that it came out. I didn't see it in theater. I saw it on Cinemax one night when I was looking for something to jerk off to. You can jerk it to Mallrats. It's fine. Well, yeah, I, was, I, I landed on the... On the um, fortune teller scene, the triple nipple. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, all right, let's do this." And then it it was so fucking funny. I had to put my dick away and watch the rest of the movie. <laughs> I praise. Yeah, that was yeah. Mallrats. I I love that movie. Oh, the Kevin Smith films. Mallrats isn't one of my top favorites. I mean, I like both Clerks films better than Mallrats. Chasing Amy's probably my favorite. I like Clerks. Do you think you like Chasing Amy? Because you were into comics? Do you think that played into it? Since it's such a comic-heavy movie? No, because at that time, whenever it came out, I was kind of phasing out of comic books. And I I just liked the, the romance or the chasing after the girl aspect of it. Later, because they didn't do any of that in Mallrats. I, I just liked it better the way that Ben Affleck did it. Am I allowed to? I like the... Uh, the camaraderie between Penciler and Anchor. Just their friendship. Not the fact that they were Penciler and Anchor. Right. right. And then later on, um, I really appreciated all the comic book stuff and Joe Quesada being featured in that film and all the little uh, all the literal pieces to that that I didn't pick up the first time that I viewed it. Now that I'm deeply entrenched in the comic books, I really enjoyed. So. Favorite Kevin Smith film, Matt? Uh, probably Clerks. Or Mallrats. One of, one or the other. Um, and Clerks 2 is really good. I like but Clerks 2 better than Clerks 1. I think I do too. 
I think when Mallrats came out and when Clerks 2 came out, they hit me at the right ages and at the right time of my life mm-hmm. that I I felt those movies. Like, they were speaking to me and where I was at and what I was what I was doing at the time. Yeah. And yeah, they hit me on an emotional level that I wasn't prepared for. Yeah, so for those, me, are, those are always going to be special. For me, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the nostalgia of them. I saw Clerks shortly after it came out on VHS. I remember I rented it at the video from the video store. Uh, actually, a friend of mine was like, oh yeah, I saw this movie in the theater with Super Saver Cinemas. And apparently it was in there for like a day or something. He's like, trust me, it's really funny. I was like, it's black and white, dude. I'm like, I don't want to watch this. This is 14-year-old yeah. Matt Cassell talking, too. So I was really close-minded to the idea. But anyway, we rented it, and I thought it was the funniest thing. And it's one of those movies where there's just not a whole lot of, like, wasted scenes, you know? Like, I feel like there's not a whole lot of movies like this, but almost every one of the scenes is kind of, like, somewhat iconic. And, and the best example I can give... To try to, like, pick a movie that just has no wasted scenes would be, like, A Christmas Story. We may have talked about it here before, like, on our Christmas episode. But that's one of those movies where every part of that movie is, like, a classic moment. Clerks is kind of the same way for me, too. Yeah. Mallrats is up there in that regard. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. Chasing Amy is actually much lower on my list. Um... But it's been a while since I've seen that and Dogma and and even Jersey Girl, which I think I was the only <sighs> fan of Jersey Girl on the planet. I thought Jersey Girl was okay. I haven't seen Dogma since it came out on, on DVD <clears throat> or VHS or whatever. I didn't go to the theaters to see it, and I saw it whenever it came out. I felt like they crammed too many famous people in that movie. It kind of felt like that's it. What I, that's how I felt about Dogma. There was just I think there were too many plates in the air. There's just too much going on. Too many actors. A callback. You know, Chris Rock doesn't belong in that universe. Selma Hayek doesn't belong in that universe. I wasn't a big fan of Jason Lee, really, as Barbie. No, I thought he was wasted in that movie. Yeah. It's just like, oh, hey, I'm friends with you. Come on, you can be the villain. Yeah, who are the two main... Oh, it was Affleck and... Matt Damon. Damon. Yeah, I feel like... Jason Lee should have been one of those characters. Probably, but Affleck and Matt Damon in that together were probably the best part of the movie. Yeah. So anyway, um, enough movie talk for now. I I wanted to to touch on something that I was thinking about this week with um, Marvel Comics uh, just completely out of control numbering system. Yes. Marvel Comics has decided that it's a good idea to relaunch every one of their flagship titles every four issues, I think, at this point. Right? They get about four issues in, which is a a month and a half, and they're like, I think we should restart it. We have a new number one. Like, they're obsessed with the number one. They're not even relaunching. They're just... It's almost like they're making... They're adding an extra number on the cover to denote, oh, this isn't the start of a new storyline. But it, it really isn't. The it's last just like false advertising. It's just like, this is the first one, the <laughs> number last, one in four months. Yeah, the last X-Men issue and the last Nova issue were the second part of an arc 
But they had the giant number one on the front. That's ridiculous. That is unacceptable. So I've kind of conceded that Marvel cannot be stopped. They're going to fucking do what they want to do, which is renumber all their series so that way they can have a number one and then, you know, sell a shitload of those and then, you know, get to number ten and be like, oh, our sales are weirdly down. I guess we should relaunch. So now, if you're a comic book collector, you don't know how the fuck to, like, catalog these things. How about this, Marvel? Here's my compromise for you. Go ahead and relaunch your books every year. But when you do it, put the year on the cover. So, number one, 2014. Number two, 2014. Then when we get to fucking January of... 2015, number one, 2015, and at least put the year on it, so that way we can, or, or in big bold letters, put the volume number, but, like, this whole thing with, like, renumbering every fucking year, and that's, I mean, I'm not exaggerating, it is truly every year. When they relaunch Amazing Spider-Man in the next couple months, is that going to be number one? Yes, and not only that, like, Here's the worst part, is when they have a, a series that's running, and then they stop it, and then literally four weeks later, they start it again at number one. Why did that happen? What is the reason for that? I think they recently did that with Fantastic Four, where they canceled... Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four, Daredevil, <laughs> and um, Wolverine and Wolverine the X-Men. And the X-Men yeah. Does anyone else think it's a travesty that the Fantastic Four costumes are black and red, and blue and white? I they hate them. Bad. They look bad. I hate them. I was okay with when they changed them over to the FF and it was white and black. I thought that was because okay. Because that was For a some whole reason. new team, whole new book. Johnny Storm died. They yeah. were going in a whole different direction. That seemed... That was alright, but... This seems just arbitrary to just change the color to red. Uh, new uniforms. Nike's making our stuff now, so they wanted red and black. But it's badass. It's not a good book either. I read it last week, and it just the new FF. Yeah, who's the writer? Not. James Robinson is the writer. Mm. I don't know if I like his work. I like him on the Saviors, which is an image, black and white indie looking deal about space aliens in New Mexico. That's pretty good. And I've read some of his Starman stuff, which is okay. I need to get those Starman books. But so, I mean, that was one thing that I've been reading. Is that it? Is that uh, all you want to say about it? Yeah, I mean... It was, uh, Man, we backdoored in with uh, what you've been reading there, didn't we? Look out. We did. I we came in talking you. about Marvel numbering, and then we come out talking about what you've been reading. Nobody even, like, noticed the transition. I didn't even notice the transition. But you know what? I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> tonight, man- tonight you are. Maniac Matt. Yeah. The- hey! That reminds me. Sorry to interrupt. This Saturday night, I saw the movie Maniac. Did you ever see it? No. It is a horror movie, if you can believe that. And it's, I assumed. It's a remake of a 1980, I think, uh, slasher movie. And it's all done from the first-person perspective. And the Maniac is played by none other than the multi-talented... I don't know why I said multi-talented. I think you can only act. I don't think you can sing and dance. But Elijah Wood. Oh. He played Kevin in Sin City. Kevin. Kevin, of course. Yeah. He also played Frodo Baggins. <clears throat> so anyway, 
Um, it was pretty cool. I had uh, access to um, America Oliva. to the to the movie theater uh, to one of our friends here at the McSauce Studios movie theater, and after um, after hours, got to watch a horror movie there. It was pretty awesome. And you chose Maniac, or they had Maniac? Uh, no, I chose it. Um, there was there was me and the and the two theater employees, and we hung out and we watched it. We kind of collectively agreed on it. It was down between that and Joyride. Cause With I think Paul Walker and Steve Zahn? Yeah, great movie. It is a good movie. Um, that's a fucking eight. I'm going to give that an eight. Is, um, is Sean Bean the bad guy in that? Or this, that's the hitch, the hitcher? <coughs> the hitcher. Yeah. yeah. Bad guy in that is... Um, I, I don't know. You only hear his voice. I, I forget what... It's, he was Buffalo Bill in Silence uh, of the Lambs. Matthew Whatever. Kimbrough? Rusty Nail? Yeah, Rusty Nail, yeah. So, anyway, uh, the movie Maniac, eh, I wouldn't exactly recommend it. That is not an 8. But, sorry to segue, but I thought it was worth mentioning because it it was entertaining, but not something I can recommend. What would you give it, then? That's, that's the... A 5. That's the review I can give for... Jack the Giant Slayer, Slayer, entertaining, entertaining but, but not I wouldn't something recommend that it. You could recommend it was um, it was better than three hundred. I gave three hundred a four. The Rise of an Empire, whereas Maniac that got a, a five. So um, was that all you wanted to talk about for what you've been reading, Ian? For you, I read a bunch of stuff over the weekend. Um, I read the new Moon Knight number one that Tell came me, out. How was the new, uh, the new suave dressed? Yeah, is is that? I was going to say his suavely. new costume. Is that is that him? It's Mark Spector. Well, like, is is he like? All right, I'm going to fight crime. I yep. got to put on the suit. Yep. Why is he so handsome now? They don't really explain that. Moon Knight. No longer is wearing his um, iconic cape and cowl and tights and all that stuff. You know, the things that make you look like a superhero. He's just has a mask and a white suit. Apparently, he now works hand-in-hand with the police force in New York City. Um, So Moon Knight, like She-Hulk, looks like they're taking their cues directly from Hawkeye. I wouldn't say that it's that far. Like, it, if you look at this artwork, it's not that indie. And even the vibe of the book still feels a little superhero-y. But the overall look and appearance of Moon Knight just it just isn't. Our good friend Tom Lynch at 30 Extra Lives didn't like the last version of Moon Knight, the Bendis run, where he was... Alex Maleev. He had all these uh, different characters in his head. He would believe that he was Wolverine or a Spider-Man, Captain America. Tom said that it ruined it, it ruined the character of Moon Knight for him because it didn't feel like any Moon Knight he had ever witnessed before. At least that was entertaining. This new Moon Knight number one. Well, like I have even read versions of Moon Knight where he's had multiple personality disorder. Yes. So it, so it like seemed Moon like Knight we've read before. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I've never seen him in a suit. I thought it was a they pushed the the his personality his multiple personalities 
further than it ever was in the last version, and I thought it was interesting and entertaining how they did it. This just, it doesn't even feel like Mark Spector at all. You don't really get a sense that he's really crazy or deranged until the very end. I was starting to see that, some ghosts. That looks, it doesn't look like David Aja artwork, but it looks like that kind of quirky indie style that Hawkeye yeah. is. And it works great for Hawkeye when it's David Aja and Matt Fraction. Yeah. Um, but, I don't know, I guess something's working, let's roll it out and see if we can get it to work other places. Yeah. I still want to read that. I picked it up last week, but I haven't read it yet. Uh, I I mean, if you're a fan of Moon Knight, pick it up, check it out. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, i trying to think what else. I, I also read um, the first two trays of iZombie, uh, Mike Allred, and uh, who will be drawing the Silver Surfer coming up and Chris Robert Roberts Robertson why am I not being able to speak tonight are, uh, was uh, the writer on this he uh, they're they're looking to do a um, TV show of iZombie and I heard that they're changing it drastically so it seems like I wanted I wanted to check it out and see how the book was before I watched the TV show very enjoyable I think that um, I can recommend that to anybody who likes that style of artwork. What's or, the tone? It's um, it's kind of like a darker version of Scooby Doo. Actually, they go around, they solve some mysteries. Um, that sounds fucking awesome. It's 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 fun. I liked it a lot. Um, but it also has a you know it's it's about a, a zombie who's friends with a ghost, and they also um, have a wear terrier that rolls along with them. They meet a mummy who tells them about. Uh, some of the the things that a zombie's going to encounter because he technically is a zombie as well. Paul looks like he's hating this description. So yeah, um, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's not a superhero comic book. Nobody's shooting laser beams out of their eyeballs or saving the world. But I enjoyed it. The only part I roll my eyes at is the weird terrier. <laughs> now you're just being hipster just to be hipster. <laughs> just make it a fucking werewolf. So those were the things that I read this week. Matt, did you read anything? Well, um, yeah, I know that we're kind of running out of time here, but I'll be quick. I read The Mercenary Sea, uh, as was stated at the very top of the podcast. Um, it's an image comic. It came out a couple weeks ago, and it is set in the, I think it's the 1930s, yeah, 1938, and it takes place somewhere in the Pacific, and it's about... These um, well, mercenaries, uh, most of them are from, well, some of them are from the U.S. and others are from Europe. And they've all kind of like formed this one team and they operate out of this submarine and they're kind of like after treasure and fortune and everything. And supposedly there's this like lost island that is filled with like the most dangerous creatures ever, like dinosaurs basically, like the island from King Kong. And but at the same time, there's also treasures within this island that you know it's like totally worth going to if you can somehow get past the dinosaurs. Um, I'm not uh, doing a very good job explaining uh, this book, but had a very very distinct visual look to it. Uh, it looks like it was drawn with like Adobe Illustrator. Very vector-looking art, but at the same time, like, a lot of depth in it. 
uh, with the way that they kind of blur out the, the backgrounds and like give you different like layers of of depth. Um, a lot of like cool kind of like cinematic looking shots throughout this whole thing. So um, we we barely got introduced to the characters in it, so I don't really know if I liked it or not yet. The story just started to move by the end of it. But um, I, I can't say I recommend it, but I can't say I don't. Um, You're middle of the road with some things tonight and just over, <laughs> over top of the road with other things. <clears throat> um, what do you buy number two? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I think that's a successful number one issue, though. Yeah. If you're willing to come back. It has a really cool two. cover, too. I have it here. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's a neat cover. Very neat. So, Paul, you yeah. have ten seconds. What you been reading? Um, I've been reading... Um, and that's going to do it for us this week, folks. <laughs> I'll go down this quick. Forever Evil. The series has been great. Jeff Jones has one issue left to wrap it up great, but he traditionally finishes weak. Um, Green Lantern has been awful. Hawkeye, when it's about Clint Barton, has been great. Hawkeye, when it's about Kate Bishop in Los Angeles, has stunk. Let's go back to Forever Evil for a second. Yeah. What's the best thing that you're reading right now? The best thing that I'm reading right now? It is, isn't it? It's really good. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's the best thing that I'm reading right now, but every, it's it is six. It's a seven issue series. Six of them have come out, and each one of them has surprised me and kept me entertained, and you know kept kept me guessing. And you know I don't know if it's the all villains dynamic of it. Are you at a point reading it right now, knowing that there's one issue left, and are you wondering oh, how are they going to wrap this up in just one issue, or does it kind of like? Feel like okay, yeah, I can see this wrapping up. No, we're at a, we're at a point where we should be for for the last issue. Unlike True Detective, uh, 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 where don't don't where you get to you get to episode seven of an eight episode season, and you're like, they only have an hour left. <laughs> so, but I feel like Forever Evil's in a, in a really good spot to wrap up everything in one right. issue. That's it, folks. That's gonna do it for. Episode 46, and as we march on to a brand new year of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. It's a crazy year. I'd like to thank my fellow podcasters, Ian Sharpley. That's me. And Matt Cassell. You're welcome. Thank you both for uh, podcasting with me over the last year. Mostly it's been a pleasure. Um, sometimes it's aggravating when one of us makes wild, wild statements. <laughs> Whenever I'm waving a hundred dollars in your face in about a month and a half, like, I'm excited. How for this this will be fun. I'm excited too. I'm excited for Ian to take us out to dinner with his newly found hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Matt Casal. Good night.
are you ready? Stupid question. <laughs>